Hello, everyone. How's it going? Good? Good. All right. So, um, as many of you know, uh, my wonderful wife and co-senior pastor of this church, Suki Longfield, has been on a sabbatical, or has, before she came off a sabbatical a few months ago, had been on a sabbatical for, was it a year? Yeah, for a full year. And so, those of you who are new to our church maybe have never heard Suki speak up here today. And I'm excited to say that today you have a treat in front of you. So let's welcome up Suki after about a year and a half. Come on up. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So Suki's been, um, you know, like her sabbatical, a lot of it was about uh, following the leading of the Lord to lay down ministry stuff and lay down kind of the day-to-day and just address what he was doing in her for a long time. And that takes courage, you know, to just stop what you're doing and just make it all about God. And I think you didn't mean for it to be a year, but you were faithful in terms of allowing God's time to be God's time. And um, so she's been praying and seeking God about some really, like, interesting, hard questions, and I feel like she's really grabbed things from the throne room of God in her time and now has something to give to us. And so I'm super excited to to hear what you have for us and really believe that the Lord's going to speak. So thank you for getting up here. We're excited. Here you go. I'm going to open and pray. I'm going to start the right place. So Jesus, thank you for this gathering, this place where we get to be with our brothers and our sisters, and we get to focus and think about you, God. We get to worship you all week, but how often do we get to worship with this many people who know you and love you, God? So Lord, I just pray that as we hear um, the sermon today, God, that you would be here, that Holy Spirit, you would guide me, that you would open our hearts to hear from you, Lord God. Even things that I don't say, let them still hear from your voice. May you fill this room with revelation. Would you fill this room with humility and your presence, oh God? We need you, Father. There's not a single thing we can do apart from you, God. So thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So hello, everyone. Um, A lot of you guys may have seen me kind of tagging on to the end of Ryan's sermons every so often. Um, We kind of have a nice little agreement that Ryan does all the FaceTime with y'all, and I get all the background FaceTime. Um, And I've always kind of been pretty comfortable with that. Um, If you guys know me, I'm an introvert. I... uh, really, really function best in a one-to-one or one-to-two space. That's like my happy place. That's when I feel like I get to connect with people, I get to hear what's going on. And, um, but then recently, I think after my, um, my sabbatical, the Lord started speaking to me and telling me that I get to come and share with the corporate body more often. Um, and <laughs> it's nice having Nancy up here. I feel like I have my own cheering squad. 
Um, but one of the things that happened um, while I was kind of peeling away, I got to spend the last year kind of, after about 11 years of just kind of doing ministry and being tied to the daily, you know, everything's always happening and constantly going and responding to the tyranny of the urgent constantly, the rush and the hustle and bustle of life. And then you add it, and then at, at some point I had children, and then you add the just the craziness that is taking care of other human lives that would die if you didn't pay attention to them. And I think... Everything in me still loved the Lord. But when he called me and told me, hey, uh, you need to take a little bit of time off, I thought it was going to be a month. And so I had the, you know, for some of you guys who know, um, I told everyone, I'm going to be taking a month off. I'm not going to have any meetings. And the next thing you know, it was like two months. The next thing you know, it's three months. Next thing you know, it's like, I don't know when I'll be back. <laughs> and that was a really, really painful process for me. Um, but I felt like in that time, what was really awesome and really beautiful was that I was able to finally rid myself of the voices of the demands. I didn't realize how much of me was driven by the tyranny of the urgent. I didn't realize how much of me was determined by the thoughts and feelings of the people even in our midst that I love and how much of me was impacted and influenced by the things I was seeing on the, in, in, in Facebook and in the media and in newspapers. And I just had gotten to a place where I was completely overwhelmed and inundated by too much information, too much stimuli, too many voices. And I felt like the Lord was just saying, I want you to go into a quiet place and detox really I think that's what it became and so I wanted to start and this is meant to be an exhortation for the body um, I want you guys to try to listen to all of this with fresh ears because I think a lot of times we can become very uh, like we've heard that it loses its power and I think it's really important for us to get back to a place where the basic things are the most important things. And so I'd love you guys to open your word to 1 John 2.15. It may or may not pop up up there. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life, it's not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. We prayed just right now, um, our kind of our, our corporate prayer for the ark. One of our, vi our vision statement is um, faith-filled, healed in every way, powerfully equipped, and influential in the world. Every single person on earth has a mission and a call to be influential somewhere. We're not put here to just toddle along and do nothing. 
And for the most part, I really believe that we have a very concentrated amount of people who are pretty educated, who have a lot of worldly riches, right? We're a very prosperous demographic of people on the whole. And if we're calling people to be influential in the world, if we're raising people up who have gone to college, most of us, maybe not all, but most of us, if we're calling people to go into a workplace or to be voices, I think it's going to be really, really important that we examine the state of our heart. Not in a critical way, but I think the thing is we don't even realize how much of the world has gotten into our souls and, our, and every crevice of our being. I was absolutely shocked when I was sitting with the Lord and I realized and I was just like with him and I hadn't and I didn't have anything left to say I was just exhausted I'm like God why am I so exhausted why is life so exhausting I feel like I just don't even want to move anymore like my happy place would be laying here <laughs> like that <laughs> yeah pretty much that's it right and I was like this is unacceptable <laughs> This is unacceptable. This is not productive. Get up, you stupid, lazy person, right? You have things to do. And, and every day, I'm, I was like, people are dying. This is happening. This is, this is not going well for these people. And I can't do anything but be paralyzed by the despair of how horrible and how non-responsive I am to it. And the Lord just started to speak to me, and he was saying, anything that has the power to do that to your soul and rob you of your hope, there is something not quite right. We're called to be salt and light. And all that really means is we're supposed to not be like the thing that we're called to bring flavor and color to. But how are we going to do that when we ourselves don't even know how we're different than the world? When we ourselves are running around busy? We can't be lights to the world if we actually love it and if we admire it and the way it does things. Romans 12.2, it says, Do not model yourselves on the behavior of the world around you, but let your behavior be... That's wrong. Um, sorry. I'm just going to pull this up real quick. My typo. Oh, okay, great. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We're not called to model ourselves after the behavior of the world. And I think... Even if we go to church every day, or not every day, every Sunday, and we read our word, 
hopefully every day. I mean, I would be pretty impressed if all of us in this room said we read the word every day. Not that I don't believe in y'all, but I, <laughs> un until this year in our newly uh, devoted Bible plan. But um, <laughs> but I was realizing that I could recall in my mind quicker the opinions of people on Facebook than the words of comfort of my Lord and Savior about the things that I was seeing. I'd have conversations with people, and this isn't all of everyone, right? But people would say things like, well, the world does these types of meetings really well, or they do communication in these ways and emails these ways really well, or the world dresses this way, or whatever, right? Like, there's so many reasons why the world has something better to offer than the church. Better men, better women. <laughs> More articulate people, less socially awkward people. <laughs> the world does X, Y, Z so much better than the church. They deal with injustice better than the church. They do all these things better than the church. And so I'm asking, who are we trying to model ourselves after? Who are we really loving in those situations? I'm going to read again 1 John 2.15. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all, all, that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life. It is not from the Father, but from the world. The pride of life, that is so today. Celebration of every pleasure, every hedonistic, let's do what we want to do, when we want to do it, how we want to do it, what do you want? How do you want to make your life better? Believe in yourself. Everything is a celebration of ourselves. Where is God in that? That's fine if you are in the world, but we are not those of the world. We are those who are called to look like Jesus. And yeah, maybe we do it once, but C.S. Lewis has a really awesome quote that says, relying on God has to begin all over again, every day, as if nothing has yet been done. It's a daily thing. It's a daily task to remove ourselves from the messages that we are being inundated with on a daily basis, not even daily, on a every second basis and hear what the Lord has to say. Let's do an honest little reflection moment. When we look at the world, what do we see? What do we think? 
Do we admire things about them, their comforts, their successes, their ways of accomplishing things, the way they manage? Manage? <laughs> are we fooled to think that they actually are managing? When we see our, our fellow students, coworkers, and people in the stores, are we afraid of what they think? because we think that what they think has more validity than what we know? And then when we look at the people of God, what is the narrative that we hear? What are we thinking and saying about them? Are we also partnering with the enemy in the accusation of our brethren and the state of the body? Are we also recounting every place that the body of Christ has fallen short? Do we think that's something new? Don't you think that this is what the enemy has wanted out of us? all along for us to side more with those who do not know the Lord than those who are trying every day so hard to come to terms with the realization that there is brokenness in them and that there is only one place for well-being who are we siding with in our internal thoughts Henry Nouwen has an awesome quote in um, The Way of the Heart, and it says, the basic question is whether we, ministers of Jesus Christ, and I would venture to say if we believe in Jesus, we're all ministers of Jesus Christ, have not already been so deeply molded by the seductive powers of our dark world that we've become blind to our own and other people's fatal state and have lost the power and motivation to swim for our lives. Do we really realize that while we were sinners, Christ died for us? Do we realize that we would be rotting in hell if Jesus did not find us? Or do we feel like when God asks us, oh, surrender your job, surrender the opinions of your family, that he's actually taking something away? Did we even ever really have it? Or did we just think we did? God does want to give us good things, but if we start at the wrong starting point, we, don't, we can't actually conceivably understand what he's given us. And then we become resentful when we think something hasn't come to pass, we live in a fallen world. We were saved from a fallen world. We had nothing. And so if there is resentment that anything in this world is less than perfect, it is because we do not understand that where we began and where this world actually is. It's in John 3.16, it says that God so loved the world that he came and he sent his son to a world, but that world was already condemned. And Jesus is the one beacon of hope to remove us from that place where we were condemned. And so when we have good things, any good thing, wow, 
we didn't have to stay in our rotting state. He didn't take any good thing away. The Lord showed me, I don't know, how many of you guys have seen The Matrix in this room? It's really old, so there's no spoilers, right? Okay, I know. Um, So if you haven't, oh well. Uh, Go watch it after this. Um, I think the first one, right, the, 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 the second and third one gets kind of a little weird and kind of veers a little to some eh, places. But um, the first one, the premise was like all these people were happily living in this uh, environment called the Matrix. And they're, you know, they're going to work and they're eating their nice meals and they're doing everything. But then all of a sudden, there's like a disturbance, you know, and there's this moment where the, the main character gets to be asked, do you want to know what's really going on? And, and Neo, he's the main character, he says, okay, I do. And so he takes whatever, I don't know what color the pill was, but he takes the pill of truth, if you will, right? And so his eyes are open to seeing that this entire time that he was living in this system, that it was a lie. That really, it was, his body was in a stasis in some other place, and his mind was thinking it was living this life where he was eating, going to work, having relationships with all these people, but all these people were also living in a fake reality. And once he realized that there was another, there's an external reality, and in that external reality, things were not so pretty, shiny, easy. They were hard because all of a sudden there's this reality. And those of us who have come to know Jesus, that is actually what's gone on. We once thought that all these things would bring us fulfillment. Family, life, job, money, uh, house, I don't know. All these different things, these comforts, right? And then we find Jesus. And to the extent that we are interested in having the truth revealed, he reveals it to us. And then some of us get really upset that that truth got revealed to us. How could you do this to me? How dare you? And it's just like, no, but this was always there. This was always the case. You just didn't know. And then there's some people who are like this. There's this one character who got taken out of the Matrix and just wanted to go back in because he couldn't handle the reality of living in reality. And for those of us who have been walking with the Lord, we have two choices. We either love the world or we love God. For those people who haven't been able to accept the reality, they're like that one guy who's really upset that he got pulled out of the matrix and just wants to keep going back. And so we have a decision to make. Where are we going to live? You can't live in both places and, and have any peace of mind. You will go crazy.
There's a passage in Matthew 6:24. It says, "No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money or worldliness. Let's just put it that way. One of the things that I really wrestled with during my time off was I was deeply, deeply grieved because I felt like I could feel the offense of the body towards the Father. How do people who love the Lord end up so offended at God? I would like to conjecture that it's that we've been serving two masters and that we have come to hate the one and love the other. We can pray every day. We can go to church every day. And even like me, we can have this be your occupation where you talk about him every day. But we can still be disconnected. And so I think in the beginning of this year, in 2019, I'd really love to challenge us to get our hearts in the right place with God. A couple of good heart checks. Do I look forward to spending time with him? What is my guttural reaction when someone says the word intimacy with Jesus? Those who are really intimate with Jesus, if you say, Let's talk about intimacy with Jesus. Think, yes. But if you've been jaded or cynical or not been doing it for a while, if someone says intimacy with Jesus, you want to run the other way. I've been there. Ah, not this again. I really... Right? Yeah. And during my time away, God extricated me from my identity as a mom, as a pastor, and someone that existed in function, basically for other people. And he reminded me that I existed for him. So I'd like to just encourage us as a body, let's chase Jesus. The other voices recognize them, and then set them aside. We have a lot of questions for God, but sometimes we get upset because he's not answering the questions that we're asking. And I'd like to encourage us to allow him to set the agenda for the conversations that you're going to have with him. I told my kids, because they're like, I don't, I can't hear from God. I don't know what his voice sounds like. And I just said, God doesn't speak English. It's very different, right? Like, it's not going to come like words. And one of the examples I gave them was like, okay, when you walk or when you watch something, that my kids are really sensitive, like, one of, they'll, they'll be like, 
oh, I don't want to see this. I said, that's the way the voice of the Lord works. It's not an emotion, but it is a different way of sensing what is happening and going on. Sometimes they're through feelings. Sometimes they're through um, senses. Sometimes they're through smells. Sometimes they're through pictures. Sometimes they're through memories. But start to be attuned. to ha- And honestly, one of the best ways, if that's not even a thing, is through your word, the Bible. And he oftentimes is not going to talk as fast as we think he should. A lot of you guys know I'm like kind of on the spectrum of like low no tech. Um, And I think that's partly because I'm very, very influenced by the things that kind of come my way. Right? I think, you know, different people can manage that spectrum a little bit differently. But um, I realized that after having a smartphone, my mind, even when I set it down, was kind of always, like, it was always there. And so it was really hard. Even when I, like, go and spend time with God, I had my phone there. Um, And I'd, like, be tempted to just check one thing or, you know, and um, and then I'd always get drawn into something looking at bad news. This is, I, I know, some people don't have a problem with information addiction, but, um, but I, I realized, like, as I was just with God, I was just used to a really fast pace of information input. And so when I was with him, it was really hard for my mind to get quiet. Lamentations 325 says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. I say this to my kids all the time, babies, I know this feels like a lot of waiting, but you're going to have to wait your whole life. And actually, the waiting time just keeps getting longer and longer. The shortest amount of time you're going to wait is probably when you're two years old, right? (laughs) But after that, the waiting time just keeps getting longer. And I think we think that God doesn't operate that way. We we were like, recently McKenna's newest thing is like, I have a headache. So she'll go in her room, and she'll be like, 30 seconds later, she'll come back out. She's like, my headache's still there. And we're like, go pray. And she, you know, it took her three days before she was willing to pray. And then finally, she goes and prays. And then she comes out. She's like, not really crying, but whining. She goes, mommy, I prayed. I said, that's great. She says, I prayed that God would take my head away, headache away right now. And he, and he didn't. And, and I was like, it's only been 45 seconds. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and we're like, baby, sometimes it takes longer than that. <laughs> Maybe it might take, you know. And that was so hard for her to understand. But I actually don't know that us as adults function too differently than that. <laughs> you know? Um, and so... All that to say, when we're thinking about what does it look like practically to stop loving the world and how to start loving God, I think part of it 
in practicality looks like drawing ourselves away in quiet and allowing the clutter of our minds to be set down. The busyness and actually coming into confrontation with the issues and the things in our hearts. And just a word about how to have those dialogues with God. We have to remember when we go before God, he wants to hear from us. That's one thing. He is really interested in hearing from us. But how we talk to him matters. Okay? There's a big difference between saying, God, I feel angry. This thing happened I don't understand. But I know you're never wrong, so something's going on. Help me. That's very, very different than you did this to me. Why? Or not saying anything at all and just avoiding him. One will lead you is actually a foundational principle for healthy relationship with anyone. Right? Like, I feel upset. I don't understand. Help me understand. That's an invitation to connect over a dissonant moment. The other one is an invitation for the devourer to come and bring division between you and the only one who loves you unconditionally. And over time, that will cut us off, and it's like you're the sheep that's wandered over here, and then all you need is somebody to come in. <laughs> I know you laugh, but it's really not, it really happens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know, my imagery. <laughs> so, So I have like two more things to say before I close. One's on the issue of repentance. We don't talk a lot about what this means, really as a body, often enough. But what repentance is, is actually saying, I'm not gonna do it anymore, right? It's not, I'm sorry. It's, ah, I get it, you're right, I'm not doing it anymore, right? Those three points, right? Ah, you're right. I'm stopping, not going to do it anymore. But if you're anything like me, it's really hard for someone to tell me I'm doing something wrong if I don't feel really loved by them first. I'm super defensive. Like, what do you want to say to me? What? Why? Huh? 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 I mean, even with Ryan, poor guy, right? He's got to, like, it, it, <laughs> you don't know what a saint this man is. But, um, uh, it's really true. Um, but really, it's like, it's got to be padded, like, I love you. <laughs> Everything's great. Can we talk? <laughs> Have you prayed yet? <laughs> okay, there's this thing. But it doesn't mean, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, then, and then I'm like, 
And then even after that, I'm like, and then I run away. And I have to go and spend time with God. And then I come back and go, maybe you're right. (laughs) Right? But that's like best case scenario. You have to imagine what the worst case scenario looks like. Right? And that's with like someone I could see face to face and I can argue with and I could touch and I, right? And I like know loves me. And I'm not saying that God's not like that, but he's a little bit different. And so sometimes I think for us to even change our hearts, and that is such a big part of the Christian walk, we have to get to the place where we already even feel safe with him before he can even mention anything. But how much work does that take? And how much time? Are we giving him that time? Are we preparing the space enough for that very thing to happen? If it doesn't, we will never change. And then that's okay in the sense of like, eternally you'll still go to heaven. But it's really not a maximizing of our life here on earth. It does not make for this existence and time to be very fruitful. And we get stuck in our own stuff. So I would like to say for some of us who have been stuck, some of it is really, we've got some things wrong and we need to talk to him a little bit more like, hey, God, so I'm a little mad. I don't understand. But you must be God. You created the world. You're right. So, okay, maybe I might be the wrong one who might have something off. You know my heart and my frailty. Can you tell me what I need to fix? And I think that conversation really needs to be had. We need to get better at repenting and changing. Otherwise, we're just stagnant and stuck for so long. And the good stuff never gets to happen. You know, we never get to be fruitful. We never get to walk in joy. We never get to actually have purpose and mission in life. And we just stay in this state of agitation. I've never felt so agitated for so long in all my life than the last two to three years. I literally do not, like, identify myself as an irritable person. But during that phase, that season that I was in, I have never been so annoyed by so many things for so long. (laughs) And I think it was because I didn't know how to talk to him about it. And I wasn't giving myself enough time to enter into a safe place with him. And I think the the thought is, my last thing is, sometimes God feels like this abstract idea right? Like, we're going to go have a quiet time, and I'm going to sit there in a room by myself, thinking good thoughts or not, just sitting there abstractly. And I feel like that's just a lie, because really, Jesus himself came as a person so that we could have, like, a human to anchor our thoughts and our responses and our interactions to. And so I think, like, If you must, put a chair in front of you when you're having your quiet time. Do something to anchor yourself in the fact that he is real and alive and can talk to you and interact with you. Remove him out of the space of another religious 
idea or abstract thought and bring him back to being a person and talk to him. And so if you can put up Luke 10, 38 to 42, I'm going to leave us here. Now they went on their way. Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. I'll just read this version, this NIV, I guess. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. In the ESV, it says, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but only one thing is necessary. And so as we kind of walk into this new year, let's ask God to help us have merry hearts and to realign our affections. Um, Yeah, I'm done.